Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Back to the Blockbuster of 2022. My name is Gaius Bowling, and uh, here with uh, my buddy Owen. What's <laughs> up, guys? Happy New Year. Welcome to the first episode of the new year. Can't wait to get started. Uh, and uh, we are actually joined by another guest today. We have Antonio Palacios here with us. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, man? Uh, yeah, I'm Antonio Palacios, host of thecultworthy.com. Um, I just recorded my first episode of 2022 today as well and nice. just put it out. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so if anyone's wondering why uh, Brittany looks and sounds different, it's because uh, Brittany... <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, Brittany is feeling under the weather, and uh, we were gonna do it with just Owen and I. Like I, we did that with uh, when Owen uh, slept through one of our recordings, and it was just me and Brittany. But I thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring another guest on because that's what we want to do more of this year. So mm-hmm. it felt like the right time to do it. But uh, Brittany will be back on next week, hopefully, and we'll be filling uh, up to snap to re- record next Got week. Got some big shoes to fill. <laughs> I'm already like my goal was to get on a more podcast this year. Hey, you started it off right at the start of January. Yeah. There you go, man. Three well, days in. <laughs> I do want to start by saying, I mean, how was everyone's uh you know holiday weekend? You were coming off of Christmas, the holidays, and New Year's Eve. Uh, Antonio, did you get in anything? Did you watch anything? Oh man, yeah, like I got mostly Christmas presents for myself. <laughs> you know, all those <laughs> all those Black Friday sales from like boutique labels, Kino Lorber, Arrow vinegar syndrome i got all my shipments in like right before christmas so that was kind of like my whole stretch of christmas nice catching up on those and planning all my new episodes based off of those nice nice man yeah that's awesome yeah so my uh my holiday weekend was pretty good i actually ended up i got a chance to watch the harry potter 20th reunion and uh that was just a blast from the past for me i've been a harry potter fan ever since i was a little kid and getting to see a little bit of back behind the scenes footage and these actors who, I mean, they spent 10 years of their lives together from 11 to 21. And so they really just, they grew up together. And that's such a integral part of not only a child's life, but a young adult's. And there's just a lot of different ways that you can grow up and to be surrounded by some of those, especially British greats, Alan Rickman, you have um, the actress who plays Professor McGonagall, um, pretty much everyone that they got to interact with were some just serious powerhouses and to, to really grow up and see that and then also just to have a little bit of nostalgia and, and just I was smiling during the whole thing. So if you guys haven't gotten a chance to see it and you like Harry Potter, I highly recommend it. Well, that's the thing, too, is like, do you ever really escape that when you are part of one of the biggest franchises ever? I mean, yeah, it's been 10 years, but do you ever like stop being the Harry Potter kids? Never. I don't think so. I think that's why a lot of them, uh, especially Rupert Grint and Emma Watson, a lot of them have shied away from acting i mean they never technically have to work for the rest of their lives ever if they don't want want to true but i think that they've been so synonymously associated with this franchise that it's really hard for them to strat a character and uh daniel's done a better job i think with his ability to really go after whatever he wants to do i mean he's done so many strange films um horns was probably one of the weirdest ones i've seen that was entertaining but also like what the fuck are you guys (laughs) what is this script right now like that and guns akimbo yeah (laughs) <laughs> I think he's done a really good job kind of distancing himself and making a name for him with a lot of these sort of cult indie movies. Um, but uh, besides that, I feel like a lot of those other young actors have really strayed away from the limelight. Yeah, I was what I was struck by because I watched it too. I actually watched it today because I was off. And I don't know if it's because they're from there, but I'm just so surprised by how like well-adjusted they are considering like all that fame that was kind of thrown at them at a very early age. I mean, they don't, like you said, they never really have to work again in their lives. 
if they don't want to. They could completely live off that franchise. And, you know, and they, they kind of talked about, like, Emma Watson talked about moments where she felt like she wanted to quit. I think it was around the fifth film because, you know, the fame was kind of catching up and, you know, she kind of felt alone. They kind of addressed that a little bit where, you know, like Tom Felton said that he had all his cronies and then Rupert Grin and Daniel Radcliffe had each other because uh, they're, you know, they're both guys. But, you know, she was a young girl and she was kind of like alone in that for a little bit. So it took her a little bit to kind of realize her place and all that. But considering like the level of fame they got at such a young age and, and they've been able to kind of sustain that. I mean, I know like Emma Watson's talked about like she's kind of shying away from acting a little bit. She hasn't really announced that she's retired. But I think she's kind of just wants to focus on herself. But, you know, they were able to kind of get out of that franchise and do other work that people know them for outside of that. They can kind of they kind of prove themselves outside of that franchise. So I thought that was really cool to kind of see them come back and talk about it and have them be proud of it, too. Like, it's not something that, of course, you wouldn't be ashamed of it. But, you know, like some I think some people, when they have franchises like that, they try to run away because they want to, like, be known for something else and they seem like they full on understand like how important that franchise was for their career and their lives and it will be for the rest of their lives i think totally and also no one uh went off the rail no yeah, uh no, one, off the <laughs> no one actually took, took no one took fame too seriously and went uh went crazy yeah i think it's a british thing oh that's totally true I think like so. i think there's like a british discipline a european discipline that like if that was an american production made in america those kids wouldn't have made it past like the fourth film it would have yeah. been such <laughs> tragedy having 10 million dollars when you're 16 years old i mean you could pull justin bieber or anything that's like what that. i was gonna say yeah yeah uh, I, I think you would be hearing that they're gonna they were like replacing them by like the fifth movie like oh like if it was like someone here if it was like the Lindsay lohan's uh, trying well, to there something. is a, there is a story where i think it was in the third one the actor who played crab so one of yeah, Draco yeah. malfoy's goons yeah. He was arrested for like cocaine and drunken public or something. So they, he was in jail and they couldn't cast him or something like that. So there was at least one got into some trouble. But besides that, I think they all were uh, pretty respectful of themselves. Yeah. yeah Not for sure. totally small in the scheme of things, right? <laughs> Considering what you know. You <laughs> <can do. laughs> but yeah, I got a chance to check that out. I rewatched The Matrix Resurrections again. Okay. All because we were going to talk about it a little bit, like, because there's not like a ton of news this week because of the holiday, even though I didn't particularly enjoy it. I'm still surprised by how it's really flopping. It's not doing well, like at all. Mm -hmm. I thought like it's only made like about $30 million in, uh, in since opening on December 22nd. Out of all the like releases from like the, the few days before Christmas leading up to uh, this weekend, it had the biggest drop from that weekend. It dropped 64%. Wow. Second weekend. Uh, even like the Kingsman did like drop only like 23% and Sing 2 dropped 9.7%. Uh, we didn't get to talk about this last week so much because we did our year in review. I'm curious to know what you guys think. If it's the, is it the HBO Max factor because it's available to stream and then also available to pirate? Is it just because the response to the movie is so polarizing? It's not really working for people. Like, why do you think it's just not performing that well at all. I mean, I got plenty to say on just the whole stream of failures we've seen in the cinemas over the last two years. I talked at length and kind of got some heat about it, about my opinions about Ridley Scott's comments about how we thought the last duel failed because of apathetic millennials on their cell phones. Mm -hmm. I think we're having a problem with retro fascination. Like they're trying to reboot and rebuild stuff from our past. I mean, like, Matrix came out on the day of my graduation and I skipped my graduation in 1999 to go see the Matrix for like the second time. But now I'm a dad and I got a job and 
I was disappointed by the last two. And I am not confident that Hollywood knows what me now at age 40 wants. So I'm going to spend my time and my money on things that I actually know is going to be something good, something fascinating, not something that feels like a quick cash grab. And that's what this Matrix Resurrections feels like to me. I mean, I'm glad that Keanu's in it. I'm glad they got a lot of the original cast in it, but it wasn't enough for me to get out of the house to go see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's tough because no matter when you bring a movie like that back from, I guess, resurrecting it, <laughs> uh, from the dead. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, Gaius, with like the Ghostbusters and rebooting that. So they've been doing this for all of the last couple of years, just like you said, Antonio. And some have been successful and a lot of them haven't. And I really think that you hit it right on the head where their ideal perspective on what they think the audience is wanting is missing the mark. And there's a lot of these, like, it's pretty much. Let's throw a bunch of old Matrix fun things that they loved about the first movie. Let's do a little shout out and throw back to that. And then not really introduce a whole lot of new ideas that are going to keep me interested or really get me out of the theater. The I mean, the poster, for God's sake, was a red and a blue pill. We've seen that already. Right. So what, what is really going to get me to go rather than say, oh, I used to love those movies. Now it's been 20 years. And what's different about this one? Not much. They're just a little bit older. I mean, one of the things I think I would have loved to have seen in this is something completely unexpected. For me, I think it's something like when they did uh, Jason X or Freddy versus Jason, where they kind of flipped the whole genre on its head, made it almost satirical, made it silly. It attracted a whole new audience that then went back and watched all the old ones. Mm. I would have been interested in seeing them do something like that. I mean, they broke the mold with the first one. Why would you not want to try and break the mold with this new one that's almost 20 years later? Like, why do you just want to do the same old thing, you know? Yeah, I agree. I Going back to what you said about, you know, because the first one is still great. It's still innovative. And I've talked to Owen about this, too, about the sequels. Like, the second one I can deal with as, like, passable, like, popcorn entertainment. Like, it's like there's some entertaining moments and it's fun, like, occasionally. But the third one is not. And I, and I guess I kind of wonder, was there even a real, like, call to action to, like, really make another one? Was there, like, for people out there like oh I really want to see this like another chapter of this and I guess I thought I assumed there was some because you know people seemed excited for it when they heard about it but as it opened I kind of saw it waning a little bit and I thought that was because it was also opening in the wake of like Spider-Man I thought that was taking mm -hmm. a lot of the, mm -hmm. the attention away from it but it seemed like that those first few days on like Twitter when a movie first opens like since everyone can be a movie critic now like people can destroy a movie in like a day and mm -hmm. when I saw like how the response was like kind of mixed I was like if it starts there like the theatrical response to it isn't going to be that significant and people are going to be like okay it's not really worthy of me going to the movies to see if I do watch it I'm going to watch it at home which is what I ultimately did I watched it on HBO Max and I'm actually glad I did because I think I would have been a little upset if I chose to see that in theaters and it just really wasn't it didn't really do anything new and then there were attempts to kind of poke fun at the franchise a little bit and poke fun at Warner but they try to be there's a lot of meta humor in it some people think that works I didn't particularly think it worked in this it was like watching like it was almost depressing watching something that was once so great and innovative and special kind of like 
limping to the finish line. That's what it kind of reminded me of. I also feel like we're living in a day and age now where people are questioning the reality. So back in 99, where we thought we lived in a world that we understood. Now we live in a world that we have no idea what's going on. We feel like we are in the matrix. Why do we want to watch that? It's too close to reality, even though it seems so fantastical. Yeah. And I also think that it's it's interesting that you say the third one was just very, very, I mean, it didn't really hit the right spots, Gaius, because it seems like a lot of these reboots that they're kind of going for, the final movie in that sort of trilogy or franchise was always unsuccessful. And so it kind of seems like they're like, all right, enough time has passed and they forgot about how shitty this last one was. Let's try and bring it back because we need to make some more money off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I think that, you know, I was reading Deadline. They were saying a lot of things were wrong, like the timing of releasing it was wrong. Having it open a few days after Spider-Man was wrong. It also fell victim of being the last movie of the whole like HBO Max, you know, day and date release strategy. Like, I'm sure that Warner Brothers, I mean, we've talked about it before about whether or not that worked or not. I'm pretty sure they're happy that that was the last one and, and they're not going to do it anymore. They're mm-hmm. going back to like the strict like 45 day theatrical window because while it worked for certain movies, like they talked about it today, that it worked for Mortal Kombat, it, it, it streamed really well on HBO Max. It kind of hurt some of their bigger releases. I still think money got left on the table with the Suicide Squad releasing it that way. Even though Dune was overall successful, I still think there was some money left on the table with releasing it that way too. And then they're seeing it with The Matrix, like the $200 million movie that's not going to make $50 million here. And that's definitely not what they were expecting, I would think. I would, mm-hmm. would think Warner Brothers was probably hoping for more. And, you know, it, it's also happening with, like, you know, other movies that are, like, and, like The Kingsman's not doing well either. That could just be a lot of, like, there's been ads for the movie for two years because it was supposed to come out. Yeah, seriously. So many different release dates. And, and, like, like know, all no this stuff was supposed to come out two years ago. Right, mm-hmm. no fault of its own, right? It all, it had, all those uh, release dates were delayed because of, like, COVID and everything. But by the time it finally comes out, you've seen so no many excited for it anymore. You saw it already. You're like, oh, I mean, and there might, like I said, there might not also be any big interest in a prequel to the Kingsman. I know people were really hungry for that either. And it also just sucks not to be Spider-Man right now, I guess, too. Like it's um Do you think that the, this uh matrix flop would be the biggest one of 2021? If it loses 150 million dollars, I would say that's probably the biggest one of the year. It might be uh it might be yeah, you're probably right. If it can recover overseas, which I don't know if it can there's been other expensive plots that like not as bad as that though they were talking about west side story today too i i had no idea that cost 100 million dollars to make but it did and uh it, i'm not surprised they probably had like 500 extras that they yeah. did multiple scenes uh and it's yeah. just like yeah it's that's not gonna make its money back either despite really good reviews and probably gonna get oscar attention too but it's not gonna recoup any of its money back and you know it's, it's interesting when movies like that flop because I feel like no one really wants to talk about a Steven Spielberg movie flopping, like like directly writing about it. So no one's really talking about like why that didn't work. And like I think it's like I think it's important no to, know why to go after Steven. Like no one wants to say that about him because it's Steven Spielberg. But like you know, it's there's an there's also release timing with that. I think that should have come out closer to maybe on Christmas Day. That would have been like mm-hmm. a better time to release a musical. But also, it's been a tough sell for musicals all like year. I mean, in the Heights didn't do well. Another Warner Brothers HBO Max streaming release that didn't do that well despite good reviews. Well, I feel it's like food trends. I feel like they are always like five years behind the trend for some of these things. Mm-hmm. Like the time to release in the Heights and West Side Story would have been when like Glee was at the top of its game on TV. Mm-hmm. But they get so excited when they see those spikes in numbers 
that they start going into production in these things, they're going to take two, three years to make, and then they're five years too late by the time they actually hit the cinema. And then COVID adds another two years to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now they're seven <laughs> years behind. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Actually, yeah, I agree with that. I think, like, some of these, like, especially musicals, like, In the Heights, like, probably should have hit a little sooner than they chose to release. Like, they're, you know, I, I think the same thing might happen to Wicked. I mean, even though that's a really popular Broadway musical, I think so much time has passed. Like, like do you are people really craving a movie version of Wicked? Even if you have like a really good cast behind it, but I think- And that's been in development forever though. Like yeah, that's forever. been in development for a decade at least. Yeah, I feel like that was in development right after Wicked like debuted on Broadway. They were like, we're going to make this to a movie. No movie, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was, yeah. And like they just like, it, now it's just like, now it's too little, feels too little too late to kind of do mm -hmm. that. Like, I agree with you. I agree with you about that with West Side Story. I know like, and I don't know, maybe if things would have went, would have gone as planned if it would have come out last year at Christmas time, would it have done better? Like it might've, you know, like they said the biggest issue with movies like West Side Story is that they skew older and older people are still afraid to go to the movies. They're not willing to risk going out in crowds like that yet. Mm -hmm. um, they said that had a lot to do with probably why it didn't perform well, but yeah, it might've made a few extra bucks if it came out last year. I don't, I still don't think it would have been like a huge, huge hit if it came out as planned right. either. I just think no, that I don't think so either. Like movie musicals are kind of a dime, but like, I mean, do what they did with Tick Tick Boom and put it on Netflix and let people gradually discover it on their own. Like, instead of, I don't know a lot of people that will go to the movie theater now to go pay to see a musical uh, adaptation like that right now. I guess La La Land was probably the last one that people really flocked to. I think so too. And I think that's because, you know, that was like an original, like, well, original idea. And they also marketed it well. They, it had a good platform release too. They didn't like open it all at once. They opened that one really smart. And during the same time period though, like December when like those movies really hit, I think West Side Story, if it was going to be a hit, it should have been a platform release. They should have just kind of gradually opened it, especially if it's going to be like contending for awards. That seemed like the best uh, way to do it. But I mean, I, it sucks to watch some of these movies kind of fall by the wayside like I was talking about Nightmare Alley with someone and I wish people were see was seeing it but like it kind of it already faded away after like one or two weekends mm -hmm. um, it's just not the right time I guess to release stuff like that you know they, yeah, but they do it they do it for awards season that's the that's the yeah. part that's like the rub it's like where are you going to put your money you're going to put your money towards the end of the year so these films stay fresh in people's minds for award season or do you release it in a middle of the year which is normally kind of like the dead zone but at least you get time to build an audience and i don't know like i get frustrated with hollywood sometimes because they are still living by the old standard of the theatrical release get your big opening weekend in and then hopefully recoup your money on dvd and home video which no one's doing anymore it's streaming now yeah. like so if you're gonna go big on your opening weekend, put it on a time that really matters. Christmas is kind of over now, I think. I think people are are kind of over and done doing this whole Christmas time movie thing. They're gonna do it when they're not busy, when they're not worried about large gatherings. Like, I think they have to rethink the whole structure of release because the game's changed. Yeah, completely. yeah. I think the structure of release for sure. Um, the way I was kind of thinking about it too was the way that they're marketing everything. 
I mean, I think that a lot of these um, studios are really missing the mark with their marketing uh, and marketing to the correct people and then which platforms they're using for it. Because, I mean, the second I see too much of an ad uh, or of a, a movie, it slowly starts for me to dis like for me to be desensitized towards it. Um, I think that happened with Kingsman. It's starting to happen for Uncharted a little bit where I just constantly see so many trailers and the same thing over and over again. I'm like, all right, well, have I already seen the movie pretty much? Like, I kind of already know what's going to happen on every single platform that I end up going on to. It's on YouTube, Instagram, social media. I turn on the TV, it's commercials on media. So they're really just throwing it all at you without really leaving much chance for us to want to discover it rather than just kind of being constantly thrown in your face. Yeah, 100%. It, I was talking about this with someone where I was kind of comparing it to the McRib. Like it comes out every few months or like maybe once or twice a year, everyone gets excited for it, but how many people actually go get it? Mm. Like we're more fascinated by the idea that it's back, even though we have no intention to actually go get it. And if we get it, we get one and realize, oh, why do I even like this? I'm just excited by the marketing of it because it's a tradition. It's a thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what we're seeing right now with the way they're marketing these movies and these reboots and these remakes, it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to get excited for it, but am I really going to go see it? And if I do see it, what's the chance of me actually liking it? And people who've never even had a McRib are just going to go, oh yeah, McRib's back, I guess. <laughs> it's like, never even it's, like a, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Part, it's of, part of the zeitgeist. Yeah. Well, we're talking about uh, trailers. We're probably tired of seeing a lot of, because um, this news just dropped like today. Um, Morbius got delayed again. Mm -hmm. This is the seventh delay, they said. They're doing it, they said, because of the rise in like the Omicron variant, uh, COVID and all that. And I know that Sony wants to like optimize the, uh, the maximum amount of money they can make from it, which is probably why they, they, they pushed it back again for three months. It's on, it was going to open at the end of January, January 28th. Now it's opening April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. So that makes me think that they can delay it again and just say it was like one big joke that was going to come on <laughs> April Fool's Day. <laughs> joke. But it's one of those movies too that like I've seen so many ads in the last I've got when they start showing them like a year, a year ago. ago. Yeah. And now like I think I saw someone put on Twitter saying that it got delayed for the seventh time because of the rise in people not giving a shit about the movie anymore. Like no one's <laughs> like, like no one's gonna care at this point. I'm surprised Sony kind of did it. I, I mean I get the reasoning, I guess, but it seemed like they would want to release that right on the back of Spider-Man. So that kind of exactly. And I don't know why they're not doing that because they have proof that like that movie is doing really well despite what's working against it. Like people are yeah. still wanting to see it and it's made a lot of money and it's, you know, it's already the biggest movie of the year in like the three weeks. So I'm really surprised they decided to push it back. I thought they would just kind of wing it and see what happens, especially, you know, you would want to build on that momentum, I would think. So wait until April. Do you think they're making a mistake by keeping too many secrets about it? Like not letting us know like what universe it is and exactly, or like, do you think that people don't want to take that gamble and see something that's in it that they're not expecting? If I'm going to go spend my money, I kind of want to say, no, am I going to see Venom in this? Am I going to see Blade in this? Am I going to see Spider-Man in this? Like, I kind of want to know where I'm standing with it because I feel like a lot of the secrecy, I think it happened with the Star Wars movies too. You're giving us too much of like the visual candy and not letting us know enough about what the structure of the story is. And that's what you're trying to sell us. And then you sell mm -hmm. us a movie that's got a really terrible story <laughs> and we don't care about it's the candy. Cool CGI. Yeah. <laughs> All right. um, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that what they're trying to do is what 
because it, it worked for Sony and Marvel doing that with the new Spider-Man, they were able to kind of mm-hmm. build on those secrets. But also Spider-Man has the benefit of like so much history and such a huge fan base. Morbius doesn't, even though it might, even if no. in that universe, he doesn't have the, you know, that kind of pull to be like, okay, I can kind of dangle these secrets in front of the audience. And is Blade going to be in it? Is Venom going to be in it? Like maybe Spider-Man will show up or which Spider-Man will pop up in it? Like there's like, I mean, there are already people speculating that certain people are just filming extra scenes for it and that's why they're delaying it that's what kind of happens when these delays happen everyone kind of gets something in their head and then they run with it and if that isn't the case they end up being disappointed right because they're Mm -hmm. they're like i have this theory and i bet it's right when it's not right they're like oh well that's not nearly as good as what i came up with what i want to say for that case is like everyone kind of has their own idea of why they're pushing it back since they've pushed it back so many times for me i'm under the impression that the movie's done and they just don't give a shit. They just want to make as much money as possible and they're moving it back. So to me, it just seems like a cheap excuse to get more people to go and see it instead of, oh, we're, we actually have more work to do in order to give this to people. It's like, well, if you're done with the movie, just release it and yeah. let people decide whether or not they want to go see it. Don't release it on a day that you think you might make just a little bit more extra cash. Because I know for a fact, if it's been pushed back this many times, you're done. You you're have done. nothing else to shoot. You're, all you're doing is giving us the same commercial with maybe a few different cuts. Like, there, there's what else are you really doing for it? And that's what's frustrating to me is it just seems like they're just doing it for the sake of possibly getting some more ticket sales at the box office rather than actually making it a better movie or actually revisiting some things that could potentially make the story or the film better in general, because it just seems cheap, a cheap excuse to me. And talk about like a delay in trends. I mean, five years behind on everything, they're now 10 years behind on Jared Leto. Like no one really cares about Jared Leto anymore. We don't. Like we were done with him in 2016. And it's funny because like I was thinking about the other day, if Ridley Scott could reshoot a whole movie and replace Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer in a matter of two weeks, why not spend an extra few bucks and hey, we now have Ryan Gosling as Morbius instead of Jared Leto and boom, we got a new movie, you know, like yeah. the, the Jared Leto train, I think is kind of done. Cause that would also spark some interest. It's like, Oh, Hey, listen, we had some differences <laughs> and now we're doing the whole thing with someone else. Surprise. What we need is a scandal. We need yeah. like a serious scandal to be like, all right, Jared Leto's done in Hollywood, but now we've got so-and-so in this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is weird that his like his momentum really did like wane, didn't it? Because like he was after he won the Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club, they were like, all right, well, let's like put him in some more stuff. And then Suicide Squad happened. And depending well, on also his credibility. <laughs> depending on who you believe it was the studio's fault or the director's fault, or someone screwed up. He I, I know a lot of his stuff got cut, but like in that, like, yeah, yes, in that interim, like he kind of like lost whatever momentum he had going from him after that Oscar win. So now it's not even cool to kind of see him in something like Morbius. It's like, all right, I suffer through him in House of Gucci. Like I, he was the only person I didn't like. And that was because I felt like he was in a totally different movie compared to yeah. everyone else. But I feel like he's trying to up his game each movie because he feels his credibility waning as an actor and his star power. He feels it going. So he feels he has to like kind of boost it up each movie. And it's just giving us more and more ridiculous performances, honestly. Yeah, it's funny. He's trying too hard. We've talked about this before. Yeah, we're, we're doing he's, that. Uh, he's really just trying too hard. Yeah. yeah. We're doing that back to the Bob Buster approved thing a little later. And we actually did one with him. And it was a... Uh, two uh, no's, a yes, and I, was, <laughs> I, I... I disapproved of him only because I, I started out being a Jared Leto fan, like his earlier stuff. And it's just like the stuff recently, like it 
you know, the stuff I, I I'm not a fan of like method acting, and that seems to be his shtick. The like, you know, mm-hmm. completely like what he says disappear into a role, but it comes off a little like elitist and douchey. kind of yeah, douchey a little bit. But yeah, like uh, our the girl who's on our show, she definitely didn't approve of him. <laughs> Oh, and straddled the fence. He couldn't decide whether or not. Hey, listen, man, his early work, you can't discredit his stuff. So it's like, I know he's trying too hard now, but if he does another, like, he's still somewhat of a good actor. I think that he just is trying too hard. If he went back to his roots, then he might give us a good performance in something. So that's why I was kind of excited to see Morbius because I'm interested to see how he is in the lead. Um, I wonder if I'm going to hate him, just like I've hated him in a lot of his other stuff uh, recently. So I was kind of interested to see that. Well, I've always liked him as like the second banana. I've always liked him as like a side character, supporting character, even as a cameo sometimes. I did like his performance in Blade Runner 2049. I thought he made a good villain because they didn't give him that much attention. Mm -hmm. I think that's where he plays the best. But I'm sure as an actor, an A-lister, he doesn't want to be that. He wants to be the guy with top wrestling. He wants to be top billing. Yeah, exactly. I, I fully agree with that. And it's, and it's so funny, too, because I don't think his career, like, started that way. I think he was, he seemed pretty comfortable being, like, what you said, like, second banana. And then, like, he got a taste of being, like, the, the star. <laughs> and yeah. now that's kind of what, that's kind of all he wants now, which is yeah pretty interesting. Like, I mean, if you're looking for longevity, uh, Alec Baldwin said on his podcast one time that he was his happiest when he had 10 lines in a movie because he would steal every scene he was in with those 10 lines. Mm -hmm. He would get the attention and people would talk about him. He didn't have to have the pressure of a three month shoot. He didn't have to have Mm -hmm. the pressure of, I mean, well, now he does, but you know, with all that other stuff, it's better to have a very small window where you can be a big part of that movie with only a few lines like look at Anthony Hopkins' performance, even though he got a best actor in Silence of the Lambs. The dude's got like 10 minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what it seems to be the magic window if you are one of those character actors. Yeah, it's like when I mean, Alec Baldwin's performance in The Departed was unbelievable, just but he was like not even a tertiary character. I yeah. mean, I guess you could consider him one of those, but like every scene he was in was fantastic. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So someone was saying online that Morbius just has to be like venom level good to make money. Like it has to be like 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 the quality doesn't have to be like extraordinary, but because like the comparisons are there, especially with some of the trailers, a lot of people think that it's gonna be on that level as far as like narrative wise. It's not gonna really gonna strive to be much more uh than that. Uh um, it just has to be cool. If it's, it's not cool, cool, then then it's the story doesn't matter. It just has to look cool. That's pretty much what people want in this. I don't know. Seven delays is a lot. I mean, I can't imagine being excited on April 1st, but we finally get to see it. <laughs> like, it, I, yeah. just, <laughs> I just can't imagine, like, you know, waiting in line. Like, oh, this is it. We're finally, I'm sitting down to watch Morbius. And, like, <laughs> I guess that by that point, your expectations are so low that if it's, like, even, like, a little okay, like, that would be enough of a passing grade, I guess. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. at that time, like, you know, it... it doesn't really have a lot to live up to at that point if yeah it, for true you know, if it gets delayed again i'm just gonna be like oh this just dump it maybe they're, maybe they're doing it because the nerd <laughs> movie sucks and so they're really trying to just lower our expectations because the movie's that trash yeah yeah because sony's <laughs> definitely seen it they've, they've seen it a lot <laughs> they, they know by now whether or not it's good or if it's enough for like they probably just want to appeal to like the 14 15 6 year old guys out there and that'll be enough like that's what happened with venom that was enough to it was enough to appease them and get all the money that made. Even a sequel made a lot of money even during the pandemic. So, yeah, there's definitely an audience for it. 
What could be cool is if they could do the missing in action formula to it. I'm not sure if you guys know the story, but they shot missing in action one and two back to back with Chuck Norris back in the eighties. Hmm. And apparently the first one was so bad, but the sequel was good that they flipped them. They made the sequel missing in action one. And then the original missing in action, they turned into a prequel slash sequel and released it second. Hmm. So it could be cool if they were like, all right, well, how about we do an origin story now or something like that, make this in this huge window of time that we have, release this, and then we can release the original Morbius as its sequel because we know it will make money as a sequel. Wow, interesting. Yeah, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be pretty interesting, actually. That reminds me of like when like the Fast and the Furious, like they were like, okay, we're going to make Tokyo Drift. It's canon. Like it's, it, Even though no one really <laughs> likes it, we're going to make it part of the grander franchise. Like you still need to watch it to understand what's going on. Well, that's pretty interesting, though. They, I wouldn't mind. They did that with Morbius. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, they, had it, cool. they could have done it twice already. I know. You could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, for a movie, even like the, the seven movie delay that like the seven release date delay that this thing has had at this point. Jesus. I don't know. I just hope like, you know, like even though box office numbers, even though Spider-Man is the only thing that was doing really, really well towards the end of the year. Like they said today that like 30% of the total box office revenue in the U.S. was all from Marvel movies in 2021. Wow. And that looks like it's going to be the same. And like, I mean, at least a chunk of it in 2022, there's so many more. You got Doctor Strange, you got Thor, you got like a, a bunch of them coming out in 2022. Hopefully with no more uh, delays, release delays because of uh, COVID or anything like that. Um, yeah. You know, it was so weird that the only thing about the Morbius delay that got me is that it kind of took me back to when they started delaying movies last year because mm. of this. And I was like, I hope this isn't the case. Like, I'm excited for sure, sir. And I have like, I'm just so, I was like, please don't delay Scream. It comes out next week. Just let me have it. Yeah. <laughs> just let us have it. Just let us have it. Don't delay it. I know things are rough in Canada, but we can make it a hit in the U.S. Like, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, um, I do want to want to get into, because like on our first episode, we actually talked about the Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson feud, because that, that right before we did our first episode, Vin Diesel released an Instagram post. that Instagram sob story. That, that seemed kind of like uh, it was reaching <laughs> a little bit. Basically like a public, like, you know, this decoration to Dwayne Johnson, because they, you know, they've, had this feud and Dwayne Johnson's like, I don't want to make any more Fast and the Furious movies. Like some people thought it's publicity. Like I know our girl Brittany thought that this is all one big publicity stunt. He's going to be in the next one. I have, after what he said on CNN last week, I don't think it's a publicity stunt. I think he genuinely think so. does not want to be involved in this anymore. Cause you know, Vin Diesel's post basically was like begging him to come back. And he like used his kids in it too. He says that my kids call you uncle Dwayne. And like, <laughs> And this is what like Pablo would have wanted, which is a reference to like Paul Walker and um, Dwayne Johnson. He's like, I told him directly that I would not be returning to the franchise. I was firm yet cordial with my words and said I would always be supportive of the cast and always root for the franchise to be successful. But there was no chance I would return. Vin's recent public post was an example of his manipulation. I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post as well as Paul Walker's death. Leave them out of it. We had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. So that doesn't sound like someone that is trying. That's to- the professional way of saying "shut the fuck up." <laughs> it really is. <laughs> that I mean, it, he really just—it it just proves how either immature Vin Diesel is and how much of a a reach that he's trying to get to. Maybe he just knows that Dwayne is going to pull in so many viewers and people like Dwayne Johnson a lot. It might make this last movie like sort of an ultimate send off that'll charge to the top of the box office, but. That post was 
just super sad and uh, a grab for attention and the rocks fell right through it and put him in his place. Yeah. Well, there's also the, the sincerity issue here. Like there's really no one more sincere and genuine than the rock. I mean, you look at his Instagram videos, that's not an act. That's what he's doing. You actually see what he's doing every day, what he's eating, what his workout routines are. Vin Diesel's life is really secretive and he really just kind of, like you said, grabs for attention when he can. And I've heard and read so many different sets that he was just so disruptive on to the creative process with the directors. Babylon AD apparently was supposed to be this amazing film, had a lot of talent behind it. Matthew Kastowitz, the director said that halfway through the film, Vin Diesel essentially took it over and just turned it into the Vin Diesel show. And therefore we were kind of robbed of what could have been a really cool movie. And that just seems to be like his pattern in every film that he's in. Mm -hmm. Now, lucky for him, he's got all these franchises behind him. You know, he gets millions of dollars for saying three words in Guardians of the Galaxy. And then he's got all these Fast and Furious films and, you know, the triple X films, things like that. So I think he understands that his star is waning if these franchises start waning. They already have. I, I definitely yeah. think they've, they've been waning for a while. And that's why he's trying to pull the stunt. I mean, when's the last time a triple X movie it was in in the works or something like that i guess there was i mean it's basically fast and the furious they're riding motorcycles on tidal waves so right. I mean, it's, it's basically the same thing but even more ridiculous so i mean he really has one genre um one uh cash grab he has one idea and he's kind of milked as much as he can out of it and besides yeah. that he's a he's a human embodiment of the mcrib yeah exactly <laughs> like we we see the poster we're like oh van diesel's in something yeah, I'm, not gonna go I'm fine. It. I'm fine. Yeah, I had I had Vin Diesel last year. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. good. I don't know if you like when you pay attention to his Instagram sometimes, but like a lot of like he likes to tease like the same projects. Like he'll like post something random and be like, "Oh, I had a really good meeting about Riddick like a week ago. Like it's really moving. <laughs> it's really moving." And now, like that'll be like a year ago. I was like, "Well, how long does it take for it to move, dude?" Like what? Like he keeps teasing all these things that he was once really famous. For. <laughs> And like yeah. I kind of I kind of think that like there has to be like a jealousy factor there between him and Dwayne Johnson. And I don't mean that Dwayne Johnson's jealous of him. It's like no, why would he at all? <laughs> I mean, like, I think there's this this sense that from Vin Diesel that he brought him in because he did. I mean, it was yeah. a lot of like he, he brought him in at a time when like Dwayne Johnson was really internationally taking off as like a big movie star. It was like the right time. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, eventually Dwayne Johnson became bigger. I don't know, maybe bigger than the franchise? More, like, more yeah. consistently bigger. Like, okay. basically taking all the roles that Vin Diesel would have thought that he might have gotten. Like, something for as simple as, like, Rampage. I could have seen Vin Diesel being in a movie like that, but it would have been completely different, boring, and not nearly as fun as Dwayne Johnson can make it. So, I mean, I think the studio started to realize the potential of Dwayne Johnson and the awfulness of Vin Diesel and why he doesn't work in movies that aren't just biker bars basically yeah. yeah well and and Dwayne Johnson's got the personality he's got the the humor and he's got the charm where Vin Diesel is really just stoic straight-faced really shows no emotion he kind of plays a straight man to whatever charismatic character surrounds him right. but I think we've also seen where if it's just him and we don't have those interesting side characters nothing happens nothing I also I also agree it's in poor taste to use your kids in a post like yeah. that and then also i mean i i'm, I'm not crediting like the relationship he had with paul walker i i believe they were very close and they were like brothers 
but to kind of use that as like the hook to get Dwayne Johnson to agree to come back because like because like in the public eye if like to anyone just watching it if Dwayne Johnson says no then there are some people who are going to be like well that's like kind of disrespectful to like Paul Walker like I mean Ben Diesel said like this is what he wanted like why aren't you coming back it makes him kind of look like an asshole if he says no but I think like further in that quote he actually kind of went into it more that like from the get-go since I left since I went to go do Hobbs and Shaw that I've always wished them the best I never like try to discredit the franchise I want them to do well you know he's just like I've had these conversations with them in private we don't need to have public declarations about like are you coming back he's like at this point you know I've had like I remember when him and Tyrese were getting into it and they finally had like a private talk and they resolved whatever issues they had going on and it wasn't being played out on social media like Vin Diesel is still playing this out on social media I guess in hopes of like changing his mind it's not working (laughs) (laughs) I think it's crazy like whatever Vin Diesel did whatever diva like behavior because I've heard a lot of stuff about him too uh even working for Joe Blow like a lot of I haven't gotten to interview him yet but a lot of people on our team have and said he can be kind of a diva and he shows up late. You know, like Dwayne Johnson actually, they said has shown up late, but when he shows up late, he gives you like 30, 45 minutes more of his time because he's late. Mm-hmm. And Diesel still gives you two and that's it. <laughs> so like whatever his behavior was, whatever he did, really pissed off Dwayne Johnson. I'd be like, I don't want to work with this guy anymore. Like, and you know, we had a cordial conversation, like maybe we just don't gel like anymore it doesn't work but yeah i think vin diesel's just begging because he wants that last movie to make a lot of money and it would make a lot of money if dwayne johnson was back in some capacity but he doesn't need the franchise so he's probably just like i'm good i don't you guys doesn't need it yeah it's tough i I think vin diesel's kind of stuck in this he still thinks it's 2002 and like i mean he still thinks that those movies are successful uh, and that's what the audience is wanting. I mean, he really hasn't done anything to speak out to people. The fact that he's pissed off one of the most loved actors of all time currently right now shows a lot. I mean, he's obviously must have been seriously unprofessional, really didn't show up and put the work in, was changing things that maybe weren't needed to be changed. I feel like the last person you want to piss off in Hollywood is The Rock. And if he's not giving you a stamp of approval, then I don't know why any of us should. <laughs> I feel like we're not yeah. going to. Uh, um, I, uh... I brought, I brought this up when we brought it up before in our first episode, like, because none of the other Fast and the Furious actors have really said anything negative about Vin Diesel. It's just been this kind of interaction with him and Dwayne Johnson. And I've always wondered if it's just like, if this is a matter of two egos just not meshing, or do other people in that cast know, well, this is how Vin Diesel's always been, and I'm just going to... They've dealt with it for like, years and years and years. Because and I'm along for this ride, it. and this ride is very lucrative. <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know. He made a lot of those people a lot of money. So I think that kind of given him the matter of the fact, but Dwayne Johnson came in, was already successful, didn't need to ride off the coattails and was like, you know what? You don't get to act like this just because you made me famous because you didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of actors out there that continue to be successful, but they got their main start when they were doing the Fast and the Furious. And I think that they kind of think that they might owe Vin Diesel for that maybe. Mm. Just yeah. a thought though. Yeah, I can see that being the case because like, you know, they kind of started in this thing like, you know, a lot of them were like, you know, Jordana Brewster was in like the faculty before that. A lot of them hadn't been in a lot of stuff. Like Michelle Rodriguez had one movie credit before the Fast and the Furious. So they all kind of, 
started together. It's kind of it's kind of interesting though because I remember when that franchise started and then the first one made a lot of money and when it came down to kind of doing the second one, he uh, wanted like an absurd amount of money to come back. It was like no, and he then he chose to do Triple X instead instead of doing like Too Fast, Too Furious. And then the only reason he did the cameo in Tokyo Drift because he wanted the rights to the Riddick character and he wanted to be able to take that back. So like in in a lot of ways he is a very like smart businessman in that sense where he wants ownership of these things now i mean the fast and the furious franchise is his baby i mean it's definitely i mean he is the face of it whether you like it or not but i do agree i, I do think that like he's like this is the 10th one this is the last one even though we're splitting it up into two movies this is it he's 54 now i mean he can still do action movies but like i don't know like where he kind of goes from here or if you're just going to go back to the well of like old things he did before like it's like let me do a sequel to the pacifier <laughs> let me do something oh like God, something yeah, from like <laughs> from back in the day i mean i honestly don't see him going the route of like bruce willis and nicholas cage who show up in another vod or Redbox movie like every other week like i feel like i see their faces on a new poster a new cover art every week in some movie that no one's going to watch i don't see him doing that i hear that he's got like all these other passions like i guess he's a big dungeons and dragons fan and he's trying to get that movie or a project based off of that. So, I mean, maybe he does take this time after the Fast and Furiouses are over to work on passion projects like that. But like we said, are people going to care when that time hits? Yeah, I, ho- I hope he takes a little look at himself and he's like, what should I really, what do I really want to focus on? Because, um, I mean, he was successful back in the day. I, I, I don't really know kind of where he took a turn. Uh, maybe he's, I think he's stuck in the past. Hopefully he can look forward and maybe create something that's new and original and um, and actually people want to watch because no one wants to see Triple X anymore. It's not going to sell tickets. Yeah, exactly. I you know it's funny because we're like doing like the whole back to the blockbuster approval thing about him and it kind of just segued in this conversation where we're just really talking about his career and I'm like looking at the stuff from earlier in this like you know Saving Private Ryan. He was the voice of the Iron Giant. Boiler Room is a great movie. He's actually really good in that. Yeah. Like, I think once he starts doing like the action movies, though, he gets kind of stuck. Like he does mm-hmm. Fast and Furious and he does Triple X and then everything just kind of feels the same. Like A Man Apart. Uh, and then he has he just does a bunch of Fast and the Furious movies. He does more Riddick, uh, The Last Witch Hunter. Like a lot of the stuff that he's kind of, he's, he can't, I think he's trying to build other big franchises and it's not working outside of, the fast movies and then those are ending soon and you know I, I even when he talks about being a part of like the marvels he he talks about being a part of the marvel cinematic universe even though he's it's what three words he got paid a lot of money to do it mm-hmm. but he's like it's more of a joke than it is actually like including yeah. it like i feel yeah. like it's more funny for everyone watching they're like oh my gosh that's been diesel it's so funny yeah yeah, he talks about it like he's alongside like robert downey jr like they're sharing the screen <laughs> it's just yeah. like and yeah, you got paid a lot of money to dub it in a bunch of different languages. I get it. I mean, you were, I mean, I, I would love to be in that position to get paid that much money to say three words. Probably. Oh, something. <laughs> um, but it could have been anybody. Like they could have said, um, if he was still alive, Sean Connery, yeah. I am Groot. You know, it, it would have had the same recognition. It wasn't the fact that it was him. It was the fact that it was Marvel and that movie was not projected to be as huge as it was, you know? So now that character is iconic. I don't think the voice really had much to do with it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I don't think it did either. I mean, like, I mean, I don't even think having, like, 
I guess it's cool to have his name. No, not really. Have his name on the poster just to say that he is in it. I mean, because they yeah. did. He's up there with Bradley Cooper, but Bradley Cooper has definitely has more stuff to do as a voice actor mm-hmm. in that. I just think it's funny because I feel like, you know, we're talking about egos. I think his ego is that big where he's like, I'm a part of this universe too. Like I have all these like things going on and it's just, I think, <laughs> I think he's more of a legend in his own mind. Yeah. He's definitely stuck in the past. And like, it's I, like, in like I don't know what he does after these franchises are done. Cause like, like you said, I don't think anyone really wants to see another triple X. You can maybe sneak in another Riddick. There are some sci-fi fans that like those. Uh, unless he lies to us and says like no he has got more he has two more fast and furious movies in him he's like got all these ideas now. i wouldn't doubt it he tries to get the 20 <laughs> uh, but i don't know like oh and overall do you like like him enough to give him like approval or does it like not enough? um for me it's a no i i don't i don't see the the thrill of him anymore i'm bored by his antics this whole social media thing for sure was just like sort of a grab for attention which i think is just really sad trying to take the death of someone who's been loved and uh was starting to basically become more of a face of the franchise than he was and trying to turn that into getting the rock to come to the movies like i don't know man I think that he had some hits early on. I thought his cameo in Saving Private Ryan was good. I actually laughed at The Pacifier. I thought it was entertaining. Not a great movie, but it was entertaining. Um, but he doesn't do that stuff anymore. And he's not willing to go outside of his comfort zone. And his comfort zone has become oblique and just very boring at this point. Like it's not seeing anything different, not seeing any creative outlooks, not seeing any change. So I don't give him my stamp of approval. If I saw him on a poster, I don't think I would make any change or any... any um move to go and see it yeah i feel the same way um i'm almost under the opinion that we need to let this guy crash and burn he needs to take 10 years off after being like a joke in hollywood and have someone like tarantino or paul thomas anderson or someone be like you know i'm gonna put vin diesel as like the father figure in this movie just completely against type like he did with travolta like he did with robert forrester in pulp fiction Hmm. i mean uh jackie brown and see if he can have a second wave of a career after he's let this whole kind of ego wave die down wow that's interesting i've never thought about it yeah that's actually a good like because he he seems like the kind of actor that would because like he's definitely shown potential before it's not like i don't think he can not act like as i brought up you know like boiler room i love and he's yeah amazing in that i can definitely see him taking like a bit of a break from like the franchises and you know these big action movies and then having the right director like kind of pull something really great out of him and then like maybe one day he can claim that he got nominated for something before like dwayne johnson did he can have those bragging rights if he wants uh yeah, yeah we we've seen it happen to actors before so yeah i kind of like i i feel the same way i think i kind of like I need more from him than what he gives us now. And then right now it just seems like there's like a sameness from him that he's not going to get out of until these franchises are done. Like once the Fast and the Furious wraps up and then he stops taking meetings about Triple X or Riddick or... If these meetings are even real. I know. He's, <laughs> he's even taking meetings for another Bloodshot. They're going to make another one of those. And I was... No, I, they're not. They're not. That no movie made nothing. <laughs> and like the way he writes on Instagram, he's like, the people have been asking. I'm like, who has been asking? No one's been asking for this. <laughs> Like your friends aren't don't count. <laughs> like they ha- it has to be someone else. The general public, I haven't heard anyone like clamoring for Bloodshot Two or another triple. No. Movie. Um, for those who even saw Bloodshot One, <laughs> I know, right? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. It came out right before everything shut down in 2020. I do remember that. 
and it went straight and it was on video on demand and i still didn't watch it <laughs> it wasn't even worthy of watching at home yeah um yeah i know uh, right now he's just perfected like mumble acting and grimacing so he's, he's really yeah. good at that. <laughs> but yeah i don't really give him my approval either i kind of definitely can see potential in him doing more like you said antonio like there's an there's an avenue for that especially with the right director i think can pull something really great out of him but he's gonna have to like kind of sacrifice you know it kind of reminds me this is a little different i feel like will smith lately cares less about being like a movie star and more about being an actor like doing something like king richard instead of you know playing to his you know strengths as like a charismatic movie star i think vin diesel kind of needs something like that where it's like i don't really care about box office and all this i just want to put in like a good performance and remind people that like i can do more than just kind of mug for the camera you know like yeah he should do it more for the craft rather than the money which it seems like he's only going for in the last years wholeheartedly agree well i mean this okay we actually agreed like the first time we did this we all loved sandra bullock <laughs> we all <laughs> awesome jared leto was a big old mix britney right away she didn't even like go through his filmography she was just like no <laughs> she just immediately tore jared leto apart <laughs> but this one was good i mean I, I i think we all made really good points about why he's not mm-hmm. really working for us right now not he is officially not approved by officially back not to the approved by back to the blockbuster not Sorry, he's, he's not cult worthy <laughs> for the cultworthy.com. <laughs> yeah we'll throw you in there on our segment leader, leader over here i do want to uh just kind of I, I didn't want to begin it on a sad note but I, I had to bring it up uh just because betty white was such that uh even no matter what generation you are in i think you kind of grew up with her on some level she passed away at 99 on right on new year's eve i guess mm-hmm. uh shy of her 100th birthday she would have been 100 on january 17th i grew up watching the golden girls and still kind of watch it on uh hulu and stuff like that and um she was just a hilarious human being and like i love that she continued to work even deep into like as as she got older you know when like most people would kind of slow down like she was you know she was in like the proposal with sandra bullock and ryan reynolds and she, i think she did like five or six seasons of that show hot in cleveland while you know like that kind of gave her another resurgence a bit saturday night live saturday Night Rock, live, you know, and like her and her fans d- demanded that they really were like we want betty white to host someone wrote on my instagram that like and i think this kind of explains it well that she was like almost like everyone's grandmother and like i think people are mourning it on that level even though she was she was old and she lived a full life um i think there were some of us that were like Betty White might outlive us all. That was the kind of thought I kind of had. Like, even though I love Golden Girls and like I've seen some of her stuff from like the Mary Tyler Moore show before she did the Golden Girls, I'm also a big Lake Placid fan, which is uh, she's in that. It's uh, fantastic. (laughs) And she's (laughs) awesome in that too. But yeah, I I didn't want to make it sad, but like she was a very, like, you know, very important person in the industry. A lot of people love her. All the tributes I've been seeing on TV and like just online is everyone having such nice things to say about her. It was just nice to Mm -hmm. see and I don't know if you guys really kind of grew up watching. Oh yeah. I, I grew up watching golden girls with my mom. And like you said, Mary Tyler Moore show, I've always loved Betty white. And I was having this conversation with my, with my girlfriend that um, she was not so pleased about all of the memes that were like hilarious about her passing away. And I was under the impression that I think she would have loved those. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, I'm taking 2021 20, with me, bitches, and that kind of stuff like that. Like, yeah. I, I think that was her sense of humor. And I think she would have appreciated the, the humorous memes because they're done out of respect. They really are. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think I didn't grow up watching the Golden Girls. Um, not I didn't necessarily grow up watching Buddy White, but just from throughout the years and, and seeing her more consistently, I think that she really is just the perfect embodiment of continuing to stay young, even as you get older and constantly finding the fun and the jokes and the humor and everything. Even one of my favorite cameos was her Super Bowl commercial where she gets decked and then eats a Snickers bar because some they're acting like Betty White. Like <laughs> even just saying yes to something like that just shows her willingness to go outside the box, do something different, continue to be funny, continue to be herself and not change and just kind of lay low and do something. She was working until the day she died and I respect her for it. And I think everyone else did as well. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that was really well said. Yeah, um, my mom, my mom was talking about like, some of the stuff from the Golden Girls, and I still watch it, but you kind of forget how like irreverent some of it is. Like they were saying and doing a lot of things on that show back then that like I have to do like a double take sometimes. Like, did I hear that right? Um, but I mean, that was a combination of just like good writing and then just like really good, solid female comedians just delivering all those lines. And like, you know, someone made a point today that like all the Golden Girls are together now because they're all they've all passed away. Uh, she, she was the last and you know there were there was I forgot I can send you guys a picture but it was a really nice picture of all like four of them and it was like a really cool kind of thing that like you know they're finally kind of all together but yeah everyone called her a natural treasure I kind of believe that too I think she everyone I don't think anyone can say anything bad about Betty yeah agreed yeah. well I just wanted to thank you Antonio for doing your best Britney impersonation <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, dude, thanks for coming on, man. We really uh, enjoyed having you. Thanks for having me. Um, I'll always come back if you ever need that third share. Yeah, for sure. Yes, and like, everyone follow uh, the Cult Worthy Podcast because I love obscure cult movies. And like, I thought I knew a lot about many of them, but he has shouted out some of them. Like, I've just been writing down like ones I've never heard of. So like, it's really good for stuff like that. And definitely something you should check out. I like to tell people if you don't know what to see on streaming, check out my reviews, check out my website, and you will see things you never even heard of. And I try my best to do reviews on things that are accessible. I really don't want to tell people about things that they can only get in the UK, but I want people to like be able to find these movies. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And appreciate that's great. Them. One of the ones that I um, wish that could be accessible as Dogma. That's one of my favorite sort of like cult classic, like Kevin Smith movies with Ben, like one of the first ones that I saw, but you literally can't find it anywhere. So yeah, it's, it's it, one of those hard ones that uh, unfortunately is uh, tough to find. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in a lot of legal issues right now because everyone's trying to make special editions. So there's a lot of legal entanglements of who's going to get it. Mm. So yeah, my guess is you'll probably see one from Arrow Video because they got mall rats a couple of years ago. Yeah. So that's going to be my guess is they're probably going to get the, the rights to that. But I mean, 1999, man, and throwing out a suggestion for you guys in the future, 1999 was the year of movies. You had Dogma, you had The Matrix, you had Fight Club, you had Magnolia, you had all these movies coming out in 99. Go back and look at the list. And it's just kind of like mind blowing how many films came out that year that still resonate now. So funny that you said that because uh, we, we have a friend named Cooper who was hanging out with him a week or two ago. And him and a buddy said that 1999, they, they can't think of any other year that's better for movies. They think that 1999 is the best year for cinema. And then they were naming all this stuff that I kind of forgot came out in 99. And there's a strong argument for that. Yeah, I agree with them 100%. <laughs> a solid argument for that. And that is a good idea for your future show, actually. I would probably love to have you on that one, too. That'd be really fun, actually. 
That'd be yeah. cool. Give me a holler. All right, Owen, send us out. Do what you do best. Yeah, you know, uh, always like to send us off, unfortunately, even though um, talking to you guys on a Monday night is one of my favorite things to do. We do have to come to a close. And as always, we are a playlist original. Uh, you can find us anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple. I think we are on Google playlists. We also have a YouTube channel. Uh, my cat entered the picture this time. I had to put him down. So if you want to <laughs> see him uh, strutting around, then please uh, go and enjoy that. And uh, yeah, please just uh, thanks for everyone who's watching. We actually uh, bumped up to number one on uh, the Good Pods app. Is that right, Gates? Yeah, we were, num- we were number over the weekend. Uh, I checked it today. We're number four now. That's cool. Okay. Now, this is it happens, man. Yeah. yeah I'm I'm I was no- I've was i been number one like three times and then yeah. down to the five, down to ups. It's ups and downs. It's yeah, there you go. Game. And uh, yeah, just want to cool, cool. say, uh, when we talked about it last, I said I'm not okay with number two. So <laughs> I'm going to continue to uh, push for that number one. <laughs> do it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Antonio. It was a pleasure and hope to do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>